This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew, chapter 13. It's amazing to me when I consider that the God who created everything chose to come down to this earth and to communicate with us. And I've I've thought to myself at times, wow, if uh, I had uh, a literal audience with God and I were, say, for example, to come across him walking down the street one day, what would I say? What would I ask him? And yet this is the exact reality that many people over 2,000 years ago had the opportunity to do. To be able to communicate with the living God himself as he came to this earth as Emmanuel. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was the express representation of God. And as he walked on this earth, he not only was a visual representation of God, but he was in word, exactly what God would say, Jesus said. Jesus regularly said, I did not come to do my own will, but I came to do the will of my Father. I came not to do my own work, but I came to do the work of my Father. Jesus, though he was God, he in the Trinity chose to submit himself to his Father, which is a beautiful representation of how God calls us to work together in submitting ourselves so that we can truly fulfill what God wants us to do. When Jesus came to John the Baptist, uh, he said to John the Baptist, uh, would you please baptize me? Now put yourself in that position and hear Jesus, the very Son of God, is perhaps... If he came to you and said, would you baptize me? Certainly, O Lord, who am I to baptize you? And yet Jesus said to John the Baptist, because it is my father's will, in other words, to fulfill God's plan and purpose, it must be so. And so John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Jesus submitted himself to his heavenly father in everything that he did. And everything that he spoke, he spoke from God the Father. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the word through which all of creation came into being. And Jesus, the living word, came to this earth to give his life in our place. Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 was talking to the people and as often he did, he spoke in parables. In fact, the scripture tells us that he did not speak to the crowds without using parables. Think of that, that's interesting. Jesus, in a way, was always speaking in a coded form. And the reason he spoke in a coded form Well, he communicates that to us, and I want to go over that with you because 
I believe there are some things that God wants us to know, but we have to search it out. It's not always laid out clear before us if we don't have a heart to search. So in Matthew chapter 13, it says that Jesus, he left the house and he sat beside a lake and a large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat and then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. That's an interesting uh, place to have a service, isn't it? All the people are there on the beach and here Jesus is. He's in a boat communicating with the people. Verse 3 says he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, when Jesus was speaking, he always spoke in terms that people understood. He was using a parable here that everybody would have understand the point that he was getting at as far as uh, the, the surface part of the message. They all understood farming because it was something that was so critical to their survival. And so his disciples came to him in verse 10 and said, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. I'm going to say that one more time. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Wow. Now we know that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't arbitrarily choose to share some information with someone and not with another person. It's not an arbitrary, arbitrary choice that God reveals himself to people. For the word of God tells us that everyone who comes to him, he will in no wise reject. Also, he says that when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. The word of God tells us, as we already read this morning, that the promises of God are backed by the honor of his name. Every single thing God says, he will follow through on. But there are some people who are limited in their understanding of God. God. There are some people who are limited in their understanding of the unfolding of his plan. And why is that? And we want to make sure that we aren't a part of that group of people. I don't know about you, but I want to know more about God, not less. I want to understand 
who he is. I want to understand his character. I want to understand a little bit more about how he works in this world where there is so much chaos and so much mess. And when I look up to heaven and I say, God, give me a revelation of your kingdom. Give me a revelation of what you want in the middle of all that's going on. I want to have a better understanding of the God that I serve, not less. And so Jesus, he says to the disciples, you have access, but some don't. And then he begins to explain why. And I want, you to, I want you to listen very closely, not just to me this morning, but I want you to hear what God is saying to you today. Because I believe that as you put into practice what Jesus is saying to you today, that you are going to have some things unlocked for you that perhaps you have not had access to before. It says in verse 12, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. We have eyes. But sometimes the things that we're seeing are not the most important things. Oh, what a blessing it is to be able to look outside and to see the sun shining. To be able to see the trees and the birds and the blue sky. To see a sunset, a sunrise. All of those are gifts from God. But we can see all the beauty of God's creation and we can essentially miss the most important thing even when our eyes are able to see with 20-20 vision. Jesus said they have eyes, but they don't see. So God, what are we missing? So I'm so glad I can see, but God, what is there that's more than what these natural eyes can see? Furthermore, he says they hear, but they don't really listen. Hearing is not just a matter of allowing your natural ear to grasp the information that is being said, but hearing is actually taking what you hear and putting it to practice. For those who are parents, you know that you can say something sometimes and it can be very well heard, but it can be sometimes not listened to and you know the difference. And it's the same difference when we are communicating with God. We may hear what God is saying, but we are not listening. And the important thing about that is, see, God says... If you're not going to listen to the little bit that I give you, I'm going to close off the flow of further information. God says, I'm not going to teach you any more of the wonderful mysteries of heaven when you won't even listen to the basics that I have to tell you. 
That's what Jesus was telling the people here. He says, they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. That's why I talk to them about seed in a field. But if their heart was open, they would grasp and understand that the seed means something more than just a seed that goes in the ground. And that the thorns mean something more than something that is just growing up to choke out the seed. But there is a spiritual connection to the natural comparison that I'm trying to convey. And I believe that God still speaks in parables today. He is trying to get our attention. Sometimes the things that he communicates with in our lives are things that grab our attention when we aren't paying attention. I can't tell you the number of people for the years that the Lord has given me the privilege to serve in a pastoral role that would care less about listening to God, but when tragedy happens, all of a sudden, they're hungry and thirsty for help from the Most High God. And so God, he speaks to us even through difficulty. He speaks to us through pain. He speaks to us through the struggles in our lives. God is a God who is constantly communicating, but sometimes we aren't hearing what he's saying. And I'll be open with you that there have been times when I have said to the Lord, Lord, I don't really understand what your will is in this particular matter. Please help me to be able to understand. Help me to see with your eyes. Help me to hear with your ears. And there's nothing you can do within yourself to make yourself understand more except for this simple thing, to do what you already know that God has asked you to do. And when you begin to do what God has asked you to do with fervency and with passion, then God opens the door and unlocks further mysteries for you. As Jesus said to his disciples, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they were willing to follow through. Jesus had said to them, come follow me. And instead of just analyzing and going, well, let me think that through, they said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Peter left his nets and he said, I'm following Jesus. And what God did, God said, all right, because you listen to me, I'm going to deposit into you more knowledge, more understanding of who I am. The person that becomes wise is the person who is willing to open up their heart and to do what God has asked you and me to do. Jesus went on to say in verse 14, he referenced a prophecy that the prophet Isaiah said. He said, when you hear what I say, you'll not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. What a place to be. 
where God is standing before you. And he has everything to offer. He says, if you see this, it's for you. If you're willing to listen, you can have all this. If your heart's willing to understand, I have transformation for your life. But for these who were not listening, Jesus said, it's right there in front of them, but they can't see it. It's right there for them to hear, but they aren't able to grasp it. And their hearts are hard and they can't understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. There are times where hard hearts will block the healing of the Lord in lives. As I was studying one time through the book of Isaiah, one of the key principles that I found is that the comfort of the Lord and the encouragement of the Lord was limited to those whose hearts were ready to receive it. And in the book of Isaiah, the prophet is talking about a people who had become so rebellious that their hearts were totally turned away from the Lord. And one of the predominant messages in the book of Isaiah is that God cannot comfort a rebellious people. So whenever we put our hearts against the Lord by doing something that he opposes, then we cannot be recipients for a comforted heart. We have to first come back and get it right with God, and then we can experience the comfort of the Lord. A contrite heart, the Bible says, God will never turn away from. But hearts that do not care about whatever's going on, if it's in opposition to the Lord, if our hearts are in that mode of being opposed to the Lord, then we can never experience the comfort of the Lord. Our eyes, our ears, it's more than what we see in the natural, more than what we hear in the natural. Jesus went on to say these words in verse 16, blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. May it never be that God is providing for us everything that we need before us, and yet we look at it and go, I don't see it. I don't get it. What's God doing? If those moments of confusion are there, I want to encourage every one of us, myself included, to examine our heart. Because when a heart is hard, or when we have allowed sin to harden our heart, our ears stop functioning. And our eyes stop seeing. And we began to not really understand what God is trying to communicate to us. But when our hearts are soft before the Lord, 
then all of a sudden we begin to see things we've never seen before. Our ears begin to hear things that we've never heard before. Oh, it's not that they weren't being said, and it's not that they weren't visible to us, but it's that the understanding of the Spirit of God all of a sudden becomes a reality because our hearts are open to the Lord, and we say, God, I surrender myself to you. I want to be able to understand your plan and your purpose for me. And we surrender all of our being to the Lord. And then our eyes begin to see and our ears begin to hear the wonderful things that God has in store for us to grasp. So Jesus, he takes this parable and he begins to explain it to the people. He said the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed is taken away. And when you go and you share the gospel with some people, you may say, wow, I, I explained it the best I could. So what's there not to grasp? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He transformed my life. He made me a brand new person. But there's a component in this communication of the gospel that is very important for us to realize. And that is the heart of the soil that you're speaking to plays a role in the response that you're going to get. So it's not all based upon your presentation because Jesus, the son of the living God who knew how to communicate, didn't have every single person that he spoke with say, oh yes, now that you've said it that way, I'm going to follow you. I totally get it. I'm going to live my life for God forever. There were many people who rejected the message of Jesus. It was not because Jesus didn't explain it well enough. It was because their hearts were hard and they weren't willing to grasp and understand it. So there are times when the Spirit of the living God will communicate a message, whether it be the people in your workplace through you, to your family members through you, to your friends through you. And you may very well say everything God wants you to say, but if the heart is not ready to be able to grasp the message, you could speak very well and you could speak till you're blue in the, in the face, but it will not make the transformation happen unless the heart is willing to hear and to accept that message. And their eyes will be open and their ears will be open to see and to hear the wonderful message of the gospel. And that's why the battle that you and I face is on many fronts. That oftentimes the enemy wants us to close our mouths so that we won't speak. And that's the part of evangelism where we need to communicate the gospel. But the other part is also very important. And that is that the hearts of the people that hear the message of the gospel need to be opened so that they can be able to understand the message. And it's not a matter of simple mental communication, but rather it's a spiritual and supernatural understanding. You could communicate something very well, but if the heart is not open to receive it, it can all sound like foolishness to the person that is listening. 
My prayer is that as we gather together on Sunday nights and we pray that in the heavenly realm, that the hearts of the people in the area that we are praying for, that the Spirit of God will get out the rototiller. Have you used the rototiller? It gets out there and it takes ground that is not able to receive the seed. And you get that rototiller going, whether you use something that is gas powered or whatever, and it takes that dirt and it mixes it all up and it gets it ready for the seed to be sown in it. That's what our prayers do. It takes soil that is hardened, soil that could care less about the gospel. And as we pray, the rototiller's going and it's plowing up that soil and it's getting it ready for when someone comes and says, now, have you heard about Jesus? And they may say, well, no, I haven't heard about Jesus. What about him? And their heart is open to receive the message of the gospel. As we pray, we deal with it on the realm even more more so than just speaking the gospel, but for the hearts of the people to be prepared so that when we mention the message of the gospel, that their eyes will be able to see, that their ears will be able to hear, and their hearts will be able to understand. And when you pray, the Spirit of the Lord works. Revival comes primarily because of the power of the Spirit of the living God that is working in the hearts of people. Revival, which is a, uh, a taking away of the death that is there, stagnancy, and God infusing life into a people, even people who have not uh, uh, yet heard the message of the gospel. It's the Spirit of God that stirs up the heart. Scripture tells us that it's not by might or by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And so when you and I trust in the power of the Spirit of the Lord, then when we're throwing out the seed, we're giving out invitations and we're giving gospel tracts and we're speaking about the message of the gospel. We're preparing the soil through prayer so that when the seed falls, that it will bring forth fruit. Jesus went on to say that not only was some of the soil hard soil, but also he said that there are seeds that fall on rocky soil and those are the ones who hear the message and immediately they receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now that's the kind of person where you share with them the gospel and they accept it. The seed goes into the ground and it begins to bear fruit. And they get all excited about following Jesus. This is the best thing that's ever, that's ever happened to me that I've ever experienced. And as they get excited about Jesus, they haven't yet counted the cost. Well, they didn't know that someone might ridicule them for following Jesus. And all of a sudden, when they begin to get persecuted, then they have to make a choice. Are they going to stick with it? For many, they don't. And they turn away. Jesus gave another comparison. He said there were some seeds that fell among the thorns. And those were the people that heard God's word. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. And the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. For seven years I served as pastor on Martha's Vineyard. In the entire country of the United States, it is the highest cost of living. It's shared with the island of Nantucket. 
And that's including Hawaii, that's including New York, and any place is the highest cost of living. And yet in the entire state of Massachusetts, it is the lowest per capita income for its county in the entire state of Massachusetts. When you merge those two together, you find a dynamic of a very high cost of living and people having to work very hard to try to just survive there. Because oftentimes the people who own the places on the island don't actually live there. They're from other countries and they buy the places and they have the people that actually live there take care of them. One of the greatest challenges for the precious people on that island is to not allow the thorns to choke out the word of God. Because oftentimes the jobs that provided the most money were right on Sunday morning during church time. Time and a half, double time. And here they're trying to save up just to make it through the winter. And sometimes when you hear an opportunity like that, like, wow, another opportunity to work and make more money. But oftentimes the enemy will throw us a little bait to distance us from God. And perhaps none of you would ever take that bait, but I want to tell you, once you start taking that bait, it begins to slowly over time distance you from the presence of the Lord, and all of a sudden, you skip church for a week, two, three, four, two months, and all of a sudden, what began as, oh, I miss it, there's a longing there for the presence of God, and all of a sudden, you can do without it. And there's this longing that all of a sudden slowly disappears. And what's happened is the thorns have choked out the word of God. I could tell you scenario after scenario of people who got excited about Jesus and got caught up in the lure of wealth that eventually choked and killed their spiritual life. My friends, don't let that happen to you. God says to you, I will be your provider. You need to stay focused. Stay focused because there's too much on the line for you. When it's all said and done, you don't take anything with you when you go. I've had two funerals here since I've been here as pastor. And I didn't see any stuff in the caskets that they could take with them. In Egypt, they thought they could. And so they would take these pyramids and they would put stuff in them, hoping that when this pharaoh would go on to the next life, he'd have someone or some things to be able to take with him. In fact, they went so far as they thought that they would take people with them. So they had people who would take their lives to go into the tomb with the pharaohs that somehow maybe that this pharaoh could have these assistants when he went over to the other side. Foolishness. The truth is, is that none of us take any of this with us when we go. Except the word of God, which abides forever. Don't lose the value of the treasure of the word of God. Jesus told the parable, he said, the kingdom of God is like a person who finds a precious jewel in a, a big piece of property and he, he locates it and he finds it and he goes, wow, that is very valuable. He hides it again 
and he goes and he purchases the whole property. And he gets access to that treasure. Every one of us have access to the treasure of the word of God. But what are we going to do with it? How valuable do we treat it? Please, don't allow the thorns to keep you from seeing the word of God grow in your life. Jesus goes on to say, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been, has been planted. Notice that Jesus said, those who truly hear and understand. God, give us an understanding heart. When we read the word of God, may we truly understand what he is speaking to us. God did not intend for his word to simply be a textbook. He wanted this to be living bread that we eat and survive on. This is our spiritual manna. As we eat the word of God, it provides spiritual nutrition to us. And the seed of the word of God is going to grow. And when the seed of, of the word of God grows, then you can see it in someone's life. Why? Because there's fruit. Things start changing. The way you speak to people changes. The way you act changes. And that transformation that happens, happens from the inside out. God, by his Holy Spirit, begins to make you into a beautiful vessel that is fit for his use. I was um, speaking with my friend Alex. And Alex had very little sight. One eye is completely unable to see anything. The other eye, he could see just a little bit. Went to the doctor, and the doctors tried to do an mean, injection into the back of the eye that were supposed to be able to help him to see better. But unfortunately, instead of doing it where they were supposed to, they accidentally put it in the pupil, which compromised all of his sight and completely removed the little vision that he had. But we're praying and we're believing God because God is a God who opens the blind eyes. Now, sometimes we can see a situation like that and think, wow, that would be, that would be really big for God to just put two new eyeballs in my brother's head and he'd be able to see. But I'm here to tell you that that is something small for the Lord. It is not something that is too hard for our God. But even more valuable than a pair of natural eyes are a pair of spiritual eyes where you will be able to see things in the spirit realm when God speaks to you that you can understand. And the more you walk with Jesus, the less valuable you begin to realize that your natural eyes and your natural ears can be. Because sometimes what you see can actually oppose what God wants you to see. And I want to share with you briefly 
a scenario where our natural eyes can oftentimes get us in more trouble instead of getting us out of trouble. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, there was, in verse 8, we see a setting where there was a king, the king of Aram, at war with Israel. And uh, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, and God would speak to him even before the king would attack. And he would, say, he, he would say to the king, King, don't go over there because God has shown me that you're going to be attacked if you go over there. And so the king would not go there. Time and time again, verse 10 says that Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert. And the king of Aaron, Aram, verse 11, became very upset over this. Now I want to tell you, when you're in tune with the Spirit of God, God can show you things to avoid. He can show you places to avoid if you're listening. And so the king of Aram thought there was a traitor in their midst, so he called all of his officers together. He said, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? Oh, it's not us, my lord. The king said, uh, one of the officers, Elisha the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. God knows everything. And God was speaking to Elisha the things that were necessary to prevent Israel from being destroyed. And so the king commanded, go out and find where he is so I can send troops to get him. The report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army and many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were the troops. Horses, chariots, everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. God had been showing Elisha all these things up till then to keep Israel from getting in trouble. Now the servant of Elisha goes out and looks, and he sees all of these troops and chariots and horses surrounding him. We find ourselves in those moments at times where you know God has been leading you each step of the way. You've been avoiding this problem. God has protected you. You see it. You know God is with you. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a setting like this. And it's like the the hordes of evil have come against you. And the assistant to Elisha says, oh, what are we going to do? Verse 16. Elisha says, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And this is what Elisha prayed. And this is what I pray for every one of us in this room. O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And so the Lord opened his eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots, not just the ones of the enemy that were opposing them, but horses and chariots of fire. And as the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. And so the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And then they were led right into the city. 
And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. The Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were right there in the middle of the city. And when the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Proverbs 20, verse 12 says, Ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are gifts from the Lord. In Psalm 119, verse 18, David said, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. God wants you to see today. Not just with your eyes, but with your spiritual eyes. He doesn't want you just to hear with your natural ears, but with your spiritual ears. Now I want to tell you that there's a lot of things that are going around in our world that can get people upset. People taking sides and all kinds of things. I want to encourage you, church family, See through God's eyes. Hear through God's ears. Be slow to speak and be quick to listen. Because you can find yourself embroiled in things that will cause division that God did not call you to get involved in. It's very important that you stay focused on what God has called you to focus on. Otherwise, you're going to try to find your, you're going to find yourself defending yourself in things God has not called you to defend. It's very key that you hear from God. And be very careful in what you say until you do. Because when you see what God is doing, then you're able to make forward advancement according to God's plan and his will. But when you choose something that is just your opinion and you try to run with it, you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. So I want to encourage all of us as a church body to look with the eyes of Jesus and to listen with his ears. Because when we do, we'll see things a whole lot differently. When we look at people, we don't look at them just a matter of their opinions or their position, but we see them as people for whom Jesus died. And it's very important that we do that. Because God loves people more than anything else. And if we are going to be a child of the living God, we had better love people too. And it's very important. So when you see all that's going on, when you hear the news, when you are posting on Facebook, when you're doing all of these things, please be cautious to first hear from God and see with God's eyes. And then you say whatever the Lord gives you to say. But take your time and let the Spirit of the Lord direct you. And as he does, then any battle you fight will be a battle worth fighting. But we need to be careful that we don't choose our own battles to fight. Because ultimately, there are many things in this world that are out of order. But what we need most is the Spirit of the living God to give us ears to hear and eyes to see so that we will be able to grow in knowledge and that the people that Jesus spoke of, whose ears were not able to hear, 
whose eyes were not able to comprehend, whose hearts were not able to grasp, may that not be us.